Good morning. You, uh, I'm going to ask for grace this morning. I'm trying to use my iPad, and I'm challenged, yes, but uh, I need to learn to work with this in a public way. So if it goes blank, know that I have a hard copy backup. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the, our topic this morning that we are going to be considering is on the subject of prayer. As we look at um, the book of Ephesians, as uh, Pastor Scott has been taking us through, and he started us on chapter 4, which is a... Uh, beginning of a section of practical application of what Paul was expressing in the first three chapters. And in the third chapter, which we're looking at today, so I'm backing up from last week's to chapter three, which is um, a good section of that is about prayer. And so the subject is prayer, and it's an awesome subject. It drives you crazy. It is a challenge in our spiritual walk. It is a, a thread of life to our Father. It is the communion that we have with him in, in a personal way and in a public way as we've already done here this morning. It's a beautiful thing and it's a horrible thing to those who are expecting the results as the way they want them and they're disappointed, they're made sad, they get angry, I get angry. Maybe I'll just put it in a personal no, I've, I know other people that have gotten angry because God has not brought the results of their prayers. Been there? Done that. I mean, in critical areas where things are so important that's obvious to everybody, and most certainly it should be obvious to God, that he would answer our prayers according to our will and our perspective. And that would be good for us. I don't know if any of you saw the Jim Carrey movie, uh, Bruce Almighty, you know, where he, uh, uh, was it Morgan Freeman. Freeman? Morgan Freeman, yeah. He was God. He came, and God goes on vacation, and he gives Jim Carrey the opportunity. Bruce was his name. And uh, it was great. And Bruce took off being God, and he answered everybody's prayers with a yes. And chaos ended up. So, well, on one hand, we want God to say yes, but you know, deep down, we really know that if he says yes to everything that we want, that we think is best, that we kind of are usurping his sovereignty, his wisdom, his eternal knowledge and foreknowledge, and we're saying we're kind of like God, if you do it my way. So we're going to look at um, prayer this morning. And I'm sure many of you here today and are in the midst of some deep and heavy prayers, concerns for those you love, for yourself, needs of your family, our community, our nation. Um, as Tyler alluded to, it seems things are going on. It looks pretty bizarre. We're called to pray for our leaders. Prayer is a staple of the Christian walk. We're commanded to pray, pray at all times without ceasing, Thessalonians. We're given instructions on prayers, Jesus himself, Paul. Um, 
pretty important, isn't it? As I listen to prayers, I listen to my own prayers. If I think about my own prayers, and I think about the prayers that we lift up here at Obi Joyful every Sunday. I am going to say that most of them are about what we need or what we want, what I need, what I want, what I think is best, what's pressing in my uh, world right now and, and I need some help with. And it's a cry out to God. Typically, you might agree or disagree, they're about the temporal things going on in my life. Temporal things. Things that I need satisfaction or results to in immediate sense. Today or real soon or real close to today. Yeah? I mean, every Sunday we lift up my grandson, Amos. I want him healed. I want marriages restored. I want houses sold. (laughs) Those are things of this earth. This is the things that I see, the things that I feel about you and I both look to horizontally in this world. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I encourage you, and I do it every day. Those are my kind of prayers, temporal prayers, in immediate sense of what I feel, sense, and think I need and want. I lift those up to God every day because I'm commanded to do so, and I'm given the privilege to do so. He says, cry out to me. Look to me. Ask of me. Seek me. You'll find me. So... As I was looking at Paul's prayers here in Ephesians chapter 3, I kind of got a different sense that took me off of my horizontal prayer thinking. Again, not wrong. Commanded to do so. But are there other aspects of prayers that we should be pursuing that have greater results and come from a more eternal perspective rather than a temporal perspective? So we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 3. Steve, if you could throw that up there. And I'm reading the whole chapter, so kind of give us, uh, most of it is about the prayer, but the first part is referring to um, Paul explaining the, the, the cry or his his understanding of how he was chosen in a special way of God to be an apostle, a, a, a minister of the gospel to the Gentiles um, specifically. And then he, he's, he's writing to a Gentile primary church in Ephesus, um, and that's full, as God has been t- laying out for us, is full of idolatry, uh, for, full of paganism, Um, The primary god that was lifted up is Aphrodite's, um, the the, the god of fertility. And Abby and I were blessed to go there in Ephesus, and we saw uh, parts of the broken down temples and places. And, and, you know, one of the great symbols that surround her, that idolatry, is the egg, and the egg reflecting fertility. And and there's all these eggs all around the place. (laughs) 
Okay. To the text. For this reason, I, Paul, you can follow along with me and send your bulletin also, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by the revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, you will be able to understand my insight to the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Jesus Christ. Back in chapter 2, uh, there was a breakdown of, of Paul saying how he's made two Gentiles and Jews one now in Christ. He says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. What he was doing was a gift of grace given to him through the working of God's power in his life. It wasn't what Paul was doing on his own power. It was what God was doing through him. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden to God who created all things. His intent was now that through the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms according to this eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ our Lord. In him, in him, in him. I'm going to say that three times, in him. That means it's pretty important because everything in Ephesians is in the context of in who? Christ. In him, in him, in him. I cannot say it enough that that is the greater and immediate context of Ephesians is Paul sharing who we are, what he has done for us, what he is doing for us in Christ. In chapter 1, there's over eight or nine times where Paul says, in him you have been adopted. Through him, you become adopted children. In him, in him, in him, it kept going. Uh, in him, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. In him, some wonderful things. Go back to chapter 1, uh, powerful in Christ. It's who we are. We see what God is doing in Christ, in us, in him. So, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence I ask you, therefore, now to, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings. He's preaching, writing from jail, uh, for you, which are your glory. Now, here's our text. So, for this reason, things that he's been speaking about, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. For who? For you. For his church. That's you. That's you corporately. That's us corporately 
and it's us individually. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide, how long, and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine, according to his power, that is at work where? Within us. This is my mark. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen? Amen? Nice prayer. What is what's missing there in that paragraph of prayer? When I read it, I was going, well, that's a wonderful prayer, and it's good, but it's so kind of out there, so heavenly minded. What, what possibly earthly good could it be? Because it doesn't get me my food today. It doesn't ask for this to be healed. It doesn't take care of my grandson. It doesn't take care of these situations. It does. It's about all this stuff out there in heavenly places. It seems, it seems so eternal. Yes. Notice what's missing. There's nothing temporal in the prayer. So there's three things I want to pull out from this passage. Three things. Um, and it goes to what Paul... This is a prayer of Paul... So it's an example that we can learn from, okay? It's not the prayer. That prayer was given to us by Jesus. But it's, it's a prayer that we can learn from, and it's similar to the prayer of chapter 1, if you would go back and re- read it, what Paul is praying for the church. But three things we want to look at and learn from Paul. And Paul says this in Philippians chapter 2. He says, the things that you have learned, the things that you have received, the things that you have seen, and the things that you have heard from me, Paul, Practice them. So he gives us a grounding that, hey, when he does something, he prays, we could kind of follow suit and follow that example. Okay, it's not a have to, it's not a must, it's an example for us to follow him. Okay, three things. The first is the attitude of prayer that Paul shows us. The attitude of prayer. Okay, the second is the nature of prayer that he presents to us. And the third is the possibilities within prayer possibilities. Looking at first the, the uh, attitude of prayer. He says what? He starts out and he says, and I bow my knee. When was the last time you got on your knees in public to pray? You go, well, we don't do that in American culture. That's because I can't get up. <laughs> Some denominations have nice pads for people praying. You know. Baptists don't get on their knees too much. Evangelicals, you know, some, some do, some don't. You know. At least you do a good job of trying to help people to be free to express themselves. So what Paul is doing, he's, he's making a statement of that he's literally bowing his knee, probably in some sense that sometimes he is literally doing that. But it's more of an expression of saying, in my heart, because what does bowing a knee express? An attitude, doesn't it? Be it surrender, submission, honor, respect, 
And you could go on with another list. Humility. Uh, I think maybe that's at the heart of it. That when Paul is talking about bowing his knee, he's talking about humbling himself before God, the Almighty. But it's, and it's showing also in the respect of who God is and who he's not. So he doesn't come to God and says, God, my genie, will you do this? But he bows and he takes his attitude of humility before him. That's the attitude. That's the attitude we're called to. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, have this attitude as Christ Jesus had his attitude. And that's how he was. In his heart, he was humble and he lessened himself before his father. The second aspect of the attitude was knowing who his God was. It was not just the God of creator of heaven and earth. It was the God, his father. His father. It's the same expression that Jesus was using, Abba, back in Matthew and teaching us about the Lord's Prayer. It's our Father who art in heaven. My Father. And he qualifies it here, though, by saying his Father is the origin of all humanity, of all the people groups on the face of the earth. Okay. So we got an attitude working. Do you think that would be a pretty good example to follow? Yeah. So the second thing aspect we can see in the prayer is this, uh, the nature of Paul's prayer here. And I'm going to suggest to you that two things were found over the temporal needs at once that he knew the church had and that he had in his own life. But what he was praying for the church, he had an eternal perspective in his prayer and an internal perspective Eternal and internal, which lends itself to the eternal, which I'll share about, over and above the temporal, which he doesn't even bring about here. Praying from an eternal perspective and onto eternal, onto eternity for another person. I don't think that way. I, yeah, it's like whoosh, over me. This is, there it is. It's gone. I, I mean, sometimes I, I do when I study a passage like this. But generally, I'm just about your needs, about what you, and how to help you now, to get things going now, now, now. But Paul was thinking way beyond because he knew that if we come from an eternal perspective and an internal perspective that's changed for eternal purposes, ah, then there will be some real temporal changes yeah, that'll be powerful. So let, let's see what it is that he uh, is praying for. We know the attitude. Now the nature, eternal and internal rather than temporal. Be strengthened. He's praying to the Lord God that you would be strengthened with power by the Spirit, where? In your inner being. And it's for great purpose. He wants this power to be, of God to be expressed in our lives, in our inner being, so that Christ may dwell, abide, have home in our hearts by faith. So that 
I abide with Christ eternally, that I have a, a relationship there, I have a presence. Abby and I, oh, we just celebrated uh, 35 years uh, marriage last Monday, this past Monday. Yeah, it was good. Thank you, dear, putting up with this. Um, I was going somewhere. I lost my track. Oh, so being married for so long, there's times when we can come into the same room, have a physical presence with one another, and be totally absent. Ah, you're shaking your head. You've been there. Yeah. Be in the very presence of one another, but be totally relationally absent from one another. What is that? That happens here on Sunday morning sometimes. We're gathered here in the presence of our God, and yet in our hearts we're so distracted that we're absent from him. Ah. Do you know that in our prayers you can even be absent because it can be so focused on the temporal and me, myself, and I, so selfishly motivated that I'm absent from my father in relationship, even in my requests. Get that. I could be absent from my father in asking him for the things that I need because my, where's my focus? Well, if my, if my focus is relationally, it goes, whoa, Lord God, I bow my knee before you, the father of all origin. I need to get humble here and I need to have an attitude so that I can recognize a relationship and having us abide together, intimately involved in one another. Having such a dwelling and abiding in our hearts of Christ, it grounds us. It gives us roots, as he goes on to say in the passage, roots, a foundation, a sure thing. In love. In love. And... He doesn't speak about love, agape love here, casually, because he knows when he uses that word, love, that it's so far away from the eros and the brotherly love of this world, the family love, that this was a godly love, and you don't get godly love on your own. There has to be an inner power of the Spirit to make that revelation to you. And so he says two things. He says, in this power of the Spirit, I want you to get grounded and, grounded and rooted in Christ's love for you so that you can comprehend that, that you can grasp that, you can lay a hold of it. See, because you can know it up here. You can have it, you know, but do you really understand it? I don't comprehend an eternal loving God and his love poured out to me. I get bits and pieces of it. And as Jesus says, no greater love does a man have than to lay down his life for his brother. I, I, I can see that in Christ Jesus. Oh, Father, you have loved me. While I was a sinner, you loved me. While I was your enemy, you loved me. While I was weak and powerless, you loved me. And you sent your son Jesus in those perfect times to love on me. In some moments, I grasp that. I comprehend it. But again, it goes this way. It's over me. Oh, Paul wants us to have the love of God, of Christ, dwell in us, for us to comprehend it, 
but also to know it. And the word, is, as uh, Scott has mentioned before, know it's more than, again, a knowledge. It's, a, it's an intimate relationship. It's, it takes the comprehension into an experience, into an experience. Share with you an, uh, uh, a time when Abby was doubting God's love for her. She knew she was saved, and she, she understood salvation, and, and she understood in somewhat the sense of God loving her enough to send his son Jesus for her. But there was a sense still of emptiness of God's love for her as she was, totally accepted and valued as a person. So she went to a retreat, and she had this heaviness about it for, for a long period of time. I just don't know if I'm loved as completely as I could be loved. She was at a retreat up on the mountain, um, a ladies' retreat, and there was a speaker there, and something happened during that time. I don't know if it was at a prayer time or after the, towards the conclusion of the, of the retreat. And all of a sudden, as Abby was in prayer, she received the love of God upon her. And it was an experience, not a head knowledge. It was the experience that, you know, when that that fresh sense of human love connects with a man and a woman and, ah, love, I feel loved by my spouse. And here to feel loved by your eternal God. And she melted in that love because she was experiencing it. That's what Paul's talking about, to know that love. He wants us to experience that. Guys, for you to get to experience that, not a macho love, but this overwhelming love to know. And then finally, that you, in this power by the Spirit in your inner being, that you may be filled with the fullness of God in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. That you want to be able to experience the fullness of this love. That is eternal language there because God is love and that expression of love is to is... Will you put up First John chapter 4? I think it's a verse 17. Where John is talking about this love concept. Maybe not. Nope. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from where? God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God intimately. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is what? Love is an eternal, agape love is an eternal concept manifested, yes, on a horizontal level for us in an intimate way. But love is a person. And that's what Paul is talking about, an eternal person that he wants us to experience and have in us dwelling and to experience knowing. Amen? doesn't Doesn't that sound so esoteric? It does. I mean, it's just like, God is love. That's eternal. But I'm here on earth, and I'm living such a temporal life. And that's my problem. Because I think, live temporally instead of eternally. And Paul doesn't want that. Paul wants us to live eternally and to have our internal being think in terms and experience eternal concepts. Because when you die, when you and I go beyond this realm, we're going to an e- another eternal realm of experience. And we're going to carry something with us. 
Not our body at first, but we're going to carry our soul. And you can get to heaven with a soul that's been unsanctified, changed by God's love, or you can go into eternity with a changed soul, a transformed person, a character that's different, a personality that reflects itself differently, not changed, but is different, just expresses itself differently in a better way. That's an eternal... Changing my inner being becomes an eternal perspective when I think about life after death. Amen? Maybe not. So, the third aspect. Paul ends his prayer. Do you put the Ephesians 3 passage back up? We have the attitude of prayer that Paul expresses, the nature of his prayer, eternal and internal as opposed to temporal. And finally, he says, could you uh, get to the very end? Oop. There we go. Now, read this with me, if you would. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God answering your temporal prayers is nothing, people. It's, I don't care if it's raising somebody from the dead. Lazarus, the blind, The broken, nothing. It is a drop in the bucket. It is a drop in the ocean of eternity to what God has for us. The possibilities of what God can do through our prayers or would do through our prayers or in our prayers just go beyond. It just blow us away. And I think, of, I think how small my God is sometimes because I ask him for such small things. But when I think about how big my God is, your God, the God of the creator of heaven and earth. Get this, people. I've said this numerous times in other messages. If there's close to 7 billion people, he's created them all uniquely different. He is intimately involved in each one of those persons and he knows all their thoughts and he interacts with them in some way simultaneously at the same time. Grasp that. I can't, I can't, I can't even fathom my own thinking sometimes. <laughs> I, I get lost in it as I do this morning. He's just like, he does that. And we think, oh, if I, pr- if I pray for this little need here, I'm being so presumptuous upon God, and, you know, he's, he's, he, he doesn't get, need to be bothered with such small things. Baloney! That's nothing. He's doing that seven billion times a nanosecond. But we don't believe it, and we don't act like it, and we don't pray that way. 
I don't pray for eternal measure, things greater. And I think one of the things he's talking about here, abundantly more, exceedingly greater than anything we could think or ask of, I think he's talking about the eternal perspective. He's taking us to an eternal perspective through an internal working of God's power in our lives. For it says, God is at work in you to will and to work according to his good pleasure, Philippians 4. Philippians 1. Paul talks about, he says, I know that the good work that God has started in all of you, he'll complete it. It's going to look like him through Jesus Christ, in Christ, his, his son, our Lord and Savior. I got excited about this passage. Go back and read chapter 1, uh, the verses. There. In fact, pull, pull up chapter 1, uh, verse 17, if you would, Steve, of Ephesians. Here, he says, look at these temporal things, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Oh, that's real temporal. So that you may know him better. That's an ongoing eternal relationship. That I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope. Mm, that's something that's kind of eternal to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance coming eternal. See, it? there it is again. I know you're not as excited about this as I am right now. But I hope that you are encouraged in some way this morning. There's so much more. Don't ever stop praying for all those temporal needs. The I need, the I wants, the I hope fors. Don't. You've been privileged to do so. Your God's big enough for all your whining and complaining. Yeah. my whining and complaining he's, he's big enough for all that and he says yeah do that ask for your daily bread daily maybe moment to moment I can't get this next step Lord I need you to move me with the power of your spirit to move me to do the next right thing that's all I can do right now is one more thing would you get power me to do the next right thing yeah I'm, I'm here I'm present Pray that way. Don't ever stop. I, I'm, in the last three years, after leaving the pastor here, I'm praying more specifically than I ever have before. I mean, I'm going down the road. I'm going, oh, cop just passed me. <laughs> don't let me get a ticket. I don't need a ticket right now. That's 80 bucks. I don't have for that. You think that's stupid? Well, it is if you're not in a relationship with a God that's big enough for you. I would say it to my wife. She says, well, I hope he, hope he doesn't catch us, you know. But I'm asking for grace and mercy there. I deserve a ticket maybe, yeah. But I can ask for those things too. And I can ask for forgiveness. Think about what you can ask for. Prayer is asking. Asking. Asking, asking, asking. Ask, Paul says, ask without ceasing. Isn't that crazy? He didn't say, he didn't qualify it even. He just pray without ceasing, continuously. May the Lord God Almighty bless you today as you go out. May he give you the spirit of wisdom and understanding. May God fill your heart 
with his love and the abiding presence of Jesus Christ. May God fill you with his fullness and knowing and understanding of the forgiveness through Christ Jesus and the abounding love that he has for you that is eternal. That you would grasp the depth of it, the height of it, the width of it, the breadth. That you, you would receive your, as we sang the song, every breath in such a way that you would acknowledge and go, thank you, Lord, I praise you and thank you. You are my life and I breathe you in and out of that breath and I shall praise you. I shall praise you. Father, I pray that these people here today grasp the prayer of Paul in Ephesians 1 and chapter 3. That it takes root and it becomes part of their daily prayers. I ask in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord, my Savior, your Lord and your Savior. And together they said, Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Go into peace of the Lord. Have a great day.